Fandom University. Every other week, we deep dive into the topics we love and obsess over. Comics, novels, movies, sci-fi, and video games receive the elevated discourse they deserve. With your overworked TAs, Sean and Sergio. Hello and welcome to Fandom University. You are on campus. You're at the, the you're on the you're at the quad. They're streaking through the quad. It's <laughs> Fandom University. Our football team sucks, but who cares? Uh, my name is Sergio. Mine is Sean. And uh, we're not we're not the biggest sports school, but uh, we're a liberal we're a liberal arts. We school. we lead the league in literacy. There you go. So yeah, we're we're doing you a service. We're um, heroes, if you think about it. We should think- rename this place Heroes University. Heroes University. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, all of our stupid inane bullshit aside, we do appreciate <laughs> um, you taking the time to to listen to our inane bullshit. Uh, this is the second episode of our Boba Fett, aka Robert Fettuccini arc. Uh, and in it, we will discuss the Bo- the book of Boba Fett series as a whole. It is now finished. It is the the book has now ended. Uh, the last chapter has been read, uh, and Sean and I will be discussing uh, like our thoughts and ideas on on that on that seven episode mini series. And then we're also going to talk to a good friend of ours, Shaylo Ren, the Star Wars coochie girl herself. Um, I don't mean that in any you know, derogative way. Uh, the one of the um, one of the b- best things she's known for is like doing the math behind Padme's jump off of the like pillar in that in that like arena coliseum scene in Attack of the Clones. Like doing the math and doing the math behind the physics of her jump onto the uh, onto the beast and figuring out exactly like how much like pressure per like how much force per square inch would have like you know uh, been created on her uh on her crotch area and then based on that dubbing um padme's vagina the most powerful thing in the galaxy (laughs) i mean it does give birth to luke and leia so i mean there you go what a what a powerhouse (laughs) what a triple threat um (laughs) so yeah so like i said that's uh that's in the second half that's in the back half of this episode and it's a it's a really fun conversation but let's go let's get to talking about the book of Boba Fett. Sean, as a whole, how did you feel about it? Um, I enjoyed it. You like, and you like you you kind of you you powered through it. You binged most of it. You watched like the first couple of episodes as they came out, but then sort of fell off and then watched them all in in quick successive order to get ready for the for the episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, I've kind of been doing that a lot with the Disney shows, um, with the Disney Plus shows. Like with, uh, I remember I did the exact same thing with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, where like I didn't really watch it till the week before the finale, and then I was just like, okay, now I now that it's all here, I'll go ahead and get started. Um, but I definitely did go a little bit slower than usual. Usually with like the Mandalorian, I've been on top of that, you know, from week to week because Star Wars was my first true love, you know? So like, even you know, even if it's not my favorite Star Wars thing, I'm usually there day one for whatever is coming down the pike. Um, and I, I don't say that I slowed down because I don't, th- 
I don't mean it as a negative remark on the show. Let me put it that way. But I did move through this one more slowly than I did, you know, than, than you might expect considering what a Star Wars fan I am. And I don't, I don't know if that's a comment on the show or not. I, it might just be more where my headspace is right now, being in edits on a book and everything. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we've talked about that, but you have sold your second book. There will be two cosmology, two monsters, the sequel <laughs> to a cosmology of monsters where Noah goes to Miami and meets up with an old friend, Tyrese Gib- uh, Gibson. Yeah, yeah. And they and sort of get sucked back into a life of crime. Street um, racing. <laughs> street racing, yeah. Uh the 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 series is gonna hang a hard left um into homoerotic action. Like yeah, um, they're very like you know, very like subtextual homoerotic. Like, and that's the thing, like if you kind of like if you don't kind of wanna like have sex with your friends, like are y'all really friends? <laughs> like are you really that's that the great question this book asks. That's the question this podcast asks all the time. Um, <laughs> but no, like, no, you you have sold your second book. It's not a terrible sequel to your first book. No, no, it's not a sequel to my first book at all. It's its own thing. Uh, it's the title's already out there. It's called The Dissonance. And um, it's still in edits. I don't know when it's going to come out, but whenever it does, rest assured, I will never shut the fuck up about it. You do not want to be following him on social media. It'll, it'll be literally all he talks about. Mm hmm. Or do follow him on social media. If you want to hear me talk about my book a lot. Uh, book of, speaking of books. Yes, Book of Boba Fett. What was your feeling overall? Book, um, I enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't uh, something that, uh, you know, is, that changed the game. It wasn't revolutionary by any stretch. They made some moves that they didn't really take advantage of. They, like, started to... It's like they like started to do like this a uh, uh, dance move, and you're thinking like, oh, this is kind of this is kind of fresh and this is kind of new. And then they like start they go they you, they segue that into the Cupid shuffle, and you're like, oh, okay, we're back to that. You know, it's tried and true, <laughs> and everyone loves it, but it's nothing that I really haven't seen before. Um, you know, especially in Star Wars. But you know, on a whole, I, I enjoy the the characterization that they gave Boba Fett. You know, when, you know, we talked about in the previous episode, you know, a lot of his characterization was either headcanon or uh, very minimal, like based on because, you know, he, he, he hardly is around in the original trilogy. He has four lines of dialogue, you know, a few minutes of screen time, if that, and he dies like a, or he quote unquote dies like a chump. Right. Um, and then people took his you know his appearance his image his uh the idea of him and made it into this i don't know this like uber phenomenon like, yeah like this like this like bounty hunter who uh you know is the greatest you know uh most ruthless most ruthless notorious outlaw in the galaxy and uh like always gets his man and i'm like that's not really what we get in the original trilogy. I mean, kind of goes out like a punk. And then based on what happens in... So then we see him in the Attack of the Clones as a kid. Um, and then uh, obviously he doesn't have much to do there except, you know, feel bad that his dad's uh, head got caught, cut, gets cut off. Yeah. Uh, and then in the Clone Wars cartoons, like, you know, he's still more, still an adolescent. And 
And like you said, he's kind of, he still doesn't, he, he doesn't have that. It's not like what happened in Return of the Jedi is an anomaly. He's kind of like, doesn't have the whole like, you know, bounty hunter thing figured out. He He's like not great at what he does. And, and he's not, he doesn't really have ruthlessness in him as a kid like there there seems to be a moment most of the time when he shows up in clone wars where he flinches back from doing something awful because he just doesn't actually want to be truly awful and i feel like that's actually borne out by what we see in the tv show too like the you know i i feel like what we're getting is sort of a soft retcon not even retcon i think what we're getting is like this is who this character actually always was. And maybe a lot of this extra canonical stuff or even some of the canonical stuff that's come along since Disney bought Star Wars, but before they decided to do this show, it doesn't actually fit with that. You know what I mean? Like he's, was he ever actually that ruthless or, you know, like, or, or is he changed by the experiences he's having in the flashbacks with the Tuscan Raiders like does that soften him and return him to the young man that he was like was there a period of absolute ruthlessness you know that that sort of got worn away by you know actually having a family again yeah I would say so I mean that you know after losing his father he kind of bounces around trying to figure out his place in the galaxy and doesn't get that until uh, he's taken in by the Tuscans and you know it's a and it's a mutually beneficial relationship like they they help him like obviously they um they save him after he crawls out of the sarlacc um you know he's more or less like tied up but you know they he he survives with them and he eventually gains their respect and they help each other out and like in which is you know i mean i I think of them like, you know, obviously like there's not any sort of like, he's not like looking up for a father, but like he's found like kindred spirits. He's found like, you know, like siblings of sorts. A family. And so, yeah. And yeah. And so, I mean, like, but yeah, like, uh, so, you know, then, you know, brothers and sisters, like ideally supposed to help each other out, you know, like um, have each other's back and all that. And with exactly what, what's going on with Boba Fett and the Tuscans. And yeah, to your point, I think that, uh, you know, who he really was, was sort of blockaded by like years and years of, of doing a job that, I mean, he basically took up like, you know, like his, his dad's job. He like, you know, he's right. He, you know, he didn't, he didn't go into business for himself. He took up his father's mantle and maybe like, that's not what he always wanted to do. Yeah. Or, or what he was best suited for. I mean, apparently he was suited for it because he did a good job at it. But um, and then you see him building a new family on Tatooine uh, in the show. I mean, that's basically what he does over the course of the episodes that he's actually in, <laughs> is, yeah. you know, builds this little family um, and sort of builds that out into a wider community Um using the skills that he has learned from that profession and from being part of the crime world, um, which all of that, I, I, I really like it's the show itself feels, I hate saying this. It feels a little flabby. I would say the same thing about the Mandalorian to some extent too, as much as I enjoy the Mandalorian, I, I feel like 
it's interesting because we talk about these movies right where i'm like oh well if they just made the eternals a disney plus series it would be fine but then you have these (laughs) disney plus series and a lot of them to me even as much as i enjoy them feel kind of fatty and i feel like this isn't just disney plus i feel like a lot of streaming shows fall prey to this because there's not that hard um you know uh time limit for one thing and for another thing um you know it's uh, that there's not as much of an emphasis on we have to keep viewers from week to week so there's less i i feel like and i could be wrong but in my experience, it feels like there's less craft put into each individual piece of the narrative than there might be uh, in your more traditional TV narrative. And um, I may be wrong about this. This is just sort of how I felt ever since Netflix started doing shows is like as much as I enjoy them, there's still never been one where I'm like, man, that was as good as The Wire or something or Breaking <laughs> Bad or, you know, The Sopranos or any of those. Um And so, I mean, I wouldn't single out Boba Fett as being like, oh, you broke the trend. It's, you know, it's like, no, it's just kind of doing what these shows do. Um, So, yeah, I like every time I was watching it, I was having a good time, but I wasn't like rushing back to my TV every Wednesday to check out the new episodes either. You know? Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh i mean i guess i i wouldn't have if um like i didn't set up the routine of of watching them like on my lunch break on you know every wednesday because usually um my uh, i have a coworker who would message me on teams and ask me like hey like what'd you think because he's a big star uh-huh. wars fan too so you know um i guess like sort of like that water cooler sort of energy is what kept me watching it as um punctually as i did um but yeah for, for like hawk uh, i was gonna say Hawkman, but for hawkeye i didn't watch any of those and i waited until they all came out and just or like they all came out at the same time right did they no? i thought I no 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 they were coming out weekly did they well then i i waited till they were all out and watched them all in one night because i don't know like uh i guess the show uh at this point in our cultural decline we uh <laughs> a show needs to like really grab you and maybe there's like um i've noticed that uh like peacemaker on hbo max the first three episodes were made available like when it when they de- when they debuted and then it went to weekly and uh legends of vox machina on amazon prime which is the critical role uh, animated series uh they're releasing, uh, I think they released four to begin with and then released two every week. And I think that might be preferable because I don't necessarily want to watch an entire series all at once, but sometimes I want to watch more than one episode. And so to to get back, to circle back to the point, uh, yeah, it was a book of both. It was all right. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't great. It was good. It was, it was satisfying. Yeah, well, I feel like in a world where we have to have a Boba Fett TV show, like where we weren't given a choice, they're like, no, you're getting a Boba Fett TV show. This is pretty good. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. kind of my my feeling. You know, I, I, I don't I don't know if I had any interest in a Boba Fett TV show, um, you know, but, but, in a, but yeah, but since we got one. Exactly. Um, 
Like it didn't suck. No, no, there was like, a lot I liked about it. Uh, and which, based on some of the, uh, you know, online vitriol that you'll see, like it between the space Vespas and the 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 leftist woke the wokeness of it of, of it all like as if um uh treating a group of people with uh like uh with some humanity with some like more like some empathy right is, oh is, the tuscans yeah is leftist and woke you know like okay yeah like we're, we're we're moving beyond them just being like this trope uh you know they right. actually have a culture they actually they're they they are a group of of people with you know ideas and and, and kinship and and a culture yeah and then you know, the so yeah just the idea that not you know not acknowledging that or not um you know not bringing that to the table is i is 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 woke or something i don't know it's ridiculous yeah um yeah that is ridiculous and uh, it's I I think it's great, though, that, you know, we talked about um, in the last episode, Anakin Skywalker and Boba Fett sort of being shadow versions of each other. Yeah. And it's interesting that Boba Fett made friends with the village of Tuscans, whereas Anakin Skywalker just slaughtered them. Yeah. Um, You know, that they're that that the representative of light and justice at that point in the galaxy, you know, or, or a representative of, you know, um murdered even innocent children um you know and and let i i don't know in the bounty hunter you know the one who took Han solo away is the one who actually you know found some respect to be fair they didn't take you know if they'd killed boba fett's dad you know <laughs> i mean they did they did abduct and basically kill his mother so um you know, so so it, it, the 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 circumstances are a little different. They didn't, you know, um, but but that is it is sort of an interesting um, flip of the coin, I guess, um, to to see. Yeah, it's. I I mean, I thought the finale was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the uh, way that they snuck in two full episodes of The Mandalorian towards the end. Um, yeah, and like people somehow managed to complain about that. Like, it, like this is proof that the book of Boba Fett sucks that they're doing. I'm like, they're really just giving us what we wanted, like post Mandalorian season two. Yeah. And now when Mandalorian season three starts, like we don't have to deal with that. Like the, all that is done, and we've like you know. Uh, like we don't have to deal with you know the 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 re the reunion the, we yeah uh with them reuniting and we can just boom hit the ground running and I appreciate that I do too yeah I was surprised that they burned through that much um, emotional uh, currency in a different show no less um, and I'm not complaining because I. I was more, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was more engaged watching those two episodes than I had been during the first four episodes of Boba Fett. And I, that's not anything against Ming-Na Wen and Tamara Morrison. I think they're both terrific. I don't think that the writing was quite up to par for them, um, you know, which, which is unfortunate. Um, I mean, when it, when, and I, and I hate, do I hate to say it? I don't know. I think we, I think Filoni and Favreau maybe need to step away for a little bit. I think we've gotten enough of their voice in the Star Wars universe. 
You think uh, so? Well, because it's it's starting to sort of feel all the same. And uh, the whole idea of Star Wars, it's, it's, it's supposed to be different. It's supposed to be something you've never experienced before, right? You know, it's supposed to be... Uh, it's on a big one, galaxy, yeah. On one hand, like, you know, um, very recognizable, you know, like Darth Vader is the evil samurai, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, Boba Fett's the gunslinger, but at the same time, we've never seen like them in this sort of like this sort of paint job. Um, but you know, with with Favreau and Filoni, like I, I feel like we're starting to like figure out their moves, start figure out you know uh, what they do with characters and what they don't do, and you know while what they do with characters is is fine it's satisfactory like the book of boba fett as a whole is fine and satisfactory it's not blowing uh it's not blowing me away or and based on you know even like the most positive reviews of the book of boba fett are you know aren't you know over the moon like i don't think anyone is rushing out you know claiming that this is the best piece of star wars media ever no no it's not it's not engendering much enthusiasm like the way that the mandalorian did um whenever it was first hitting and in fact that i think that might be part of the show's problem right is that they went straight from one bounty hunter show to another bounty hunter show like they even wear similar armor i mean the mandalorian as a tv show was the 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 premise and I say this with all the love in the world was (laughs) here's not Boba Fett and not Yoda hanging out on not Tatooine. Isn't this great? You know, (laughs) like, and it was, it was so much fun. Like they, it was adorable. It was fun. Um, And it was very much like a, like a, like a, like a nice warm blanket um, of familiar star Wars imagery, but like, I wish for their second show, they'd gone a little further than just Boba Fett. As much as I love that Tamara Morrison got a showcase, um, I would have liked to have seen literally anything else, you know, just like, what are the smugglers doing? What's it like setting up the new Republic? Like, what's going on in Coruscant? Like, you know, like so many things in this world post Return of the Jedi and pre The Force Awakens that we don't know about that these movies didn't answer and that I would love to know more about. Um, I mean, that that might be a reaction to to the reaction to the sequel trilogy where you tr- they try to introduce, they, they have these old favorites to sort of usher in the new faces. And because the new faces weren't as uh, widely embraced as they would have hoped, they're kind of going back to the well. They're going back to, okay, like you said, it's, uh, it's Boba, it's like Boba Fett and it's like Yoda, but it's not, but it's close enough that it's, that you recognize it. And that's right. why we're also doing a Kenobi TV show. And which to know, be fair, I'm excited about. I mean, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see you and McGregor once again, playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. But uh, like you said, like it's a big galaxy and I, I feel like it's like, okay. and we're going back to Tatooine again. <laughs> Yeah, and like, is this the only planet where shit fucking happens in this galaxy? I know. Luke Skywalker's like, if there's a bright center of the universe, you're on the planet that it's farthest from, and that doesn't really seem to be the case. I don't think he knew what he was talking about. I think maybe he was just a dumb eighteen year old. Eighteen year olds can be pretty dumb. I said a lot of dumb shit when I was eighteen. Okay, so like, I'm gonna give Luke a pass, but like, that's a dumbass thing to say, kid. (laughs) Seems Tatooine, in the grand scheme of things, is pretty important in the galaxy. 
yeah. So how does it manage to stay a backwater? I don't know. Um, and why didn't Darth Vader just go wipe out the huts? Like you would think with all that power at his disposal, whatever. I, I, I'm sure he had his reasons. And I'm sure that there's some comic book or something somewhere that will tell me exactly that. And if it hasn't been written, Disney, call me. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, you know, what? I guess. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to say like, you know, I, I want more stuff like Rogue One. Like Rogue One is yeah. definitely, you know, definitely fits into, you know, the already existing Star Wars narrative, but it gives us characters that we've never seen before, gives us situations we've never seen before. And, you know, it manages to make us care about these characters, even though like logically, like people were upset at the end of that movie when everyone dies that's i mean that's what happened like you you don't see anyone like handing uh the the plans to lay like here you go like we got these everyone but me died but uh here they are Uh, like they all had to die and so despite like kind of like knowing that you still care about these characters and you know if you're if you need to uh like if you say if you need to you have the the tried and true there to to make it work uh at least you know you know do what you can within that within that framework rather than you know uh you know a decent but overall you know not not great boba fett show and like i said i like i was excited for the book of boba fett as soon as they announced it you know as soon as the end of mandalorian season two like oh shit we're getting the book of boba fett and then like the reality of it like it was fun it was fine you know i probably may watch it again years from now but it's not like it's uh you know it's nothing that 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 blew my mind that it it wouldn't be the first thing you'd show somebody to convince convince them star wars is great yeah and and the same thing for kenobi like i have high hopes for it i'm excited for it but i'm not going to be surprised if it's not fantastic if it's just satisfying satisfying if it's just satisfactory yeah and I feel like that's sort of been the, the, I think we're still waiting for our WandaVision for Star Wars, maybe, you know? Yeah. Like, and, like the really revolutionary uh, thing. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, something that at least sort of um, hint or like hints at or starts to wander off into, into left field rather than. Uh, yeah yeah even if it ends up in a familiar place like the way that it gets there is really interesting and strange um and i'd really love to see that i you know we were you you know before before we recorded this episode um i was trying to come up with discussion points to send to you and i was having a lot of trouble because i could not think of very much to say about the show like thematically to pull out of it um, like there just didn't feel like there was a lot to chew on there, um, which is odd because usually you and I can, you know, pull out a lot from a given piece of media. But like, in a way, this show, you know, as we've said before, feels so designed to hit the correct buttons in a safe and familiar way that it doesn't. Um, it doesn't it doesn't say a whole lot um or do very much that's very exciting from a um 
academic standpoint. I think that, that perfectly captures uh, my feelings on it. Uh, it's um, there's not it's not there's not a whole lot of of depth to it, and but that doesn't mean that it's not like it's not satisfying. Yeah, like. I- I feel like we're damning it with faint praise, which sucks (laughs) Um, because I mean, like there's a lot of amazing craftsmanship in the show. I feel like the performances are all uniformly really strong. I feel I like a lot of the things that it does. I like a lot of the ideas that it presents. It's just, I I don't know. It just, I may, and maybe we're a little bit spoiled with star Wars content right now. Maybe, maybe we just need a little bit of a star Wars break. I don't know. I know I've said similar things about Marvel recently where it's just like, I haven't watched Hawkeye yet. Cause as much as I love the Marvel universe in those movies, like I'm also just kind of like, give me a breather guys. Come on. Jesus. It's all right. Let Hawkeye's me miss you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead. And uh, we uh, invite Shalo Ren into the Phantom university studios. Hello. Shaylo Ren, the Star Wars coochie girl herself. Say hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for being on. Uh, like that was early on, like the very first um, bit of Star Wars media I saw of yours was the Anakin Padme, like uh, D&D role playing. Uh, oh, yeah. You know? And I was like, that's really funny and really cool and clever. Uh, I don't know what this TikTok thing is, but I'm <laughs> going to start following this person on this thing. And and then, of course, like you sort of went viral with the Star Wars coochie. Like Padme is like jumping off the pillar and landing on the on the whatever kind of beast that was. Yeah, and actually doing like the the math to justify your theory. <laughs> um, what a but- legacy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be in my uh, my obituary. That's all I could ever ask for. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, like, yeah, tell tell the folks that may, that might not be familiar with you, um, like why we would have you on the show. Um, I'm wondering that myself, but <laughs> I guess it's because on TikTok, I rant about all things nerdy. I have a Twitch stream where we do nerdy stuff. Um, Star Wars, like you said, D&D, anything you can think of. I've probably given my takes and bad opinions on it. And yeah, like, but we uh, have fun. <laughs> but we have a good time. Um, yeah, and so that like Star Wars obviously is one of the reasons we asked you to come on because we are talking about Boba Fett. We're talking about the book of Boba Fett. Uh, it just wrapped up a couple weeks ago. Uh, a very polarizing TV series, whereas you know the Mandalorian was pretty much I want to say like universally loved. Like mm-hmm. this, uh, the book of Boba Fett has definitely got some people in their feelings. Uh, how did you feel about the series as a whole? It, I've had to kind of compartmentalize how I feel about it as a, I, overall, I'm okay with it, but there are a lot of moments that as a Star Wars fan, I really love. I compared it on TikTok to like a chicken nugget and filet mignon in different moments because I love chicken nuggets and we'll take it any time, but like not filet mignon sometimes <laughs> right no yeah I, I saw that video and i was like that's actually like pretty apt like i mean like there's a there are certain foods that you know aren't the best but you love anyway i'll take i'll take i'll take a chicken nugget yeah like who's <laughs> gonna know? turn down a nug um, 
So like on a, on a, I guess on a, on a graded scale, what would you give uh, the book of Boba Fett? Like at a 10? Uh, like on a A, B, C or, or at a 10, whatever. Um, C plus. <laughs> it seems very harsh, but some moments were A tier to me. Right. So mm-hmm. what, what were some of your A tier moments? Episode two was my favorite part of the whole series. Actually. Mm-hmm. I thought episode two was like some of my favorite Star Wars I've ever watched which is high praise. Um, I thought it was really like, it was finally really different and it really delved into Boba Fett as like a character. And um, I like when Star Wars is weird and different and it like the whole thing with like the visions and kind of non, like the storytelling being not in perfect in like chronological order was really fun for a bit. <laughs> and then uh, that episode with the Tuscans and the weird stuff with like the, the the lizard drug i just loved that episode so much and and getting more characterization on the tuscans too like we got a little bit in mandalorian but they really delved into it that episode i loved that episode and that was was a good one uh yeah i was gonna say that it's um like in the first episode we kind of discussed like there i guess maybe the reason boba fett has been so popular for you know 40 plus years is because these sort of enigmatic sort of like very mysterious like there's a lot of what um is thought about him is headcanon and so mm-hmm. you can pretty much put any sort of um like coat of paint on him and that could be your boba fett yeah uh, and then we actually got the actual like canon boba fett in this case and that didn't really fit into a lot of folks headcanon and there's like i guess um some revolts <laughs> yeah some people use him as a, I've believed as a self-insert before a little bit. And then when that was foiled, they were like, ah, dang. Like, especially a, a certain brand of people. Did. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, yeah, he was this, like, you know, you know, gunslinger type badass, you know, a bounty hunter, a man of few words, always got his man. And I'm like, we're talking about the same dude that got whacked off, uh, you know, flying sand barge by a blind Han Solo and eaten by (laughs) Sarlacc like that guy (laughs) Um, yeah so uh, what what, what were your feelings about uh, Boba Fett as a character coming into the show and has that significantly changed because of because of the what we've seen before because like like you said like canon wise we didn't know much about him like we'd pretty much seen him fall into a hole we saw some of them in the clone wars so like it was kind of i kind of didn't have any feelings about boba fett so like going into it i was like honestly they're gonna have to do a lot to make me care (laughs) but they did and i i one thing that i do love about this show is that i really did i like who boba fett is and you can see how his experience shaped like his morals and stuff like almost his near-death experience almost dying really changed him and i loved that aspect so i do care a lot about boba fett now which I did not before. <laughs> yeah, I thought Tamara Morrison finally got to do something really interesting with a Fett character because he doesn't have a whole lot to do as Django Fett except look a certain way. And mm-hmm. so it was really exciting for me to get to see a real character and get see him actually get to do some acting. Yeah, for sure. One thing that I really enjoyed about it, and it was something that detractors like pointed out as a flaw, is like you've got this... Uh, this character with who's like this man of morals, like he wants to like do right by his adopted family, 
he wants to do right by the you know city that he has now become uh daemon of uh but yet he's like still a crime boss like he's still and what and so it's like oh that doesn't make any sense but i'm like it makes perfect sense in a certain way because like people aren't binary people aren't yeah. like all good or all evil you know like this is something that he's familiar with this is something he knows he can do but he's going to try to do it in the best way that he feels possible based on like his like you said his experience like what he's gone through yeah. And so I thought it was a really clever way because it would make, you know, it would be kind of boring if he just if he comes out of that and just becomes like this do-gooder, like, you know, superhero type character. But no, it's like, yeah. okay, he's kind of going back to what he knows, but he's going to do it in a, like, I don't know, like a, in a, in a more moral way. <laughs> yeah. He's going to take care of his people, but not as like a political leader. <laughs> like crime boss right yeah exactly like i mean that because that's what he knows he's like i don't he doesn't know politics he doesn't know uh you know superhero do-goodery he kind of knows how to the ins and outs of the of the tatooine underworld yeah yeah it's a it's a new take on it it's because it would yeah like you said it would be so boring if he was just like okay now i'm perfectly good and right, yeah. i'm gonna be the best boy <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I thought it was a kind of a nuanced take that sort of like went over people's heads that like, it doesn't make any sense if he's going to be a good guy. Why is he, why is he still a crime boss? Like, well, he wants to be a good guy, but he kind of wants to like still do what is comfortable in him. Like he doesn't want to like completely step out of his like comfort zone. Well, I, yeah. I, I think part of it too, it's the Godfather narrative, right? There's the, the idea that the institutions have failed people. And so to actually take care of people, you have to work outside of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Tatooine, gangsters basically are the politicians. Um, True. Yeah. True like, what good are you like? How are you going to you're not going to do much as a politician there. Like, you can do it, but you're not <laughs> yeah. going to have much power. Yeah, we saw the mayor of most. Yeah, of exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the mayor is com- like pretty much powerless. Uh, you know, he's a pawn of the syndicate. Yeah. Um, so you and you know, we're talking about like sort of the, the polarizing take of the show which is sort of like um a snapshot of the fandom as a whole you know star wars fan culture has been kind has been pretty divided as of late you know how you know what's it like sort of being a public figure like a public face of that fandom there's a lot of pressure i'll tell you that (laughs) because every (laughs) little thing you say people will scrutinize to hell but you know that's just that's part of it but um I also, as a, because like on Twitter, I didn't say that I thought it was a C plus, you know, I said it here and that's because no one listens to our show, (laughs) which is fine. You're completely safe. No, I feel like it's because y'all like, this is like a safer place to be able to say those things and us have a constructive conversation. But like when you have a little bit of an audience on the public, like like we're I don't know how to explain it Twi- I guess the best way to explain it is Twitter's so dang toxic that like if you say something negative they're gonna freaking either run with it or on the other end they're gonna label you as toxic but like here we I feel like I can have constructive conversations but uh that's one thing that kind of sucks about being a I can't give them like it's so if you say even anything slightly negative the bad side of the fandom's gonna see it and run with it and follow you and <laughs> I don't want them. 
Yeah, it's um when we were like we did a scream arc before this, and in the new scream movie, like toxic fandom like plays a part in the plot. And me and Sean were both like, that's they're talking about Star Wars, right? Like that's definitely like a stand-in, <laughs> like the um what are the movies? They even called, Bra- the they reference my uh Ryan Johnson in the movie. Oh, for sure. Not yeah. by name, but yeah, they call him the knives out guy. But yeah. Whoa. The uh what are the what are the movies called? Uh stab. A stab. Yeah, like yeah. The, you know, like the the stab toxic fandom, that's definitely like a stand-in for Star Wars for sure. Um, I need to see that. That's amazing. But uh and so yeah, so we like we definitely have seen it, you know, Sean, um, like Sean grew up in a time where, you know, it was Star Wars fandom was rare. Like he grew up, you know, we, we were born the year Jedi came out. And so, you know, it was almost two decades before any new Star Wars media was released, yeah, at least, we you know, a main, mainstream Star Wars media. Um, and so he grew up at a time where like, like fandom was rare. And then the remasters came out, uh, then the prequels and then all of a sudden star wars was a thing again mm-hmm. and ever since then it's sort of like people are drawing lines in the sand you know either you can't like the prequels you can only like the original trilogy and then the sequels come out and then there's even more lines in the sand <laughs> and and so i feel like you know everyone's a lot of people have their opinion on what star wars really is which um, was it episode three with the Vespas, with the space Vespas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like so many people are like, this isn't Star Wars. And I'm like, tell me what is, what is this thing about space samurai and laser swords and outer space? Like, tell me what it, what, you know, tell me, you know, what, what is that? Like, tell me, can you please tell me what that is? Can you explain yeah, that to me? Did they miss Dex's diner? <laughs> like right. the 1950s goofy <laughs> diner in no, the middle of the prequels. <laughs> and and people pointing that out. And like those folks who were, you know, lambasting the Vespas, uh, somehow defending that as like, like I don't know, and just say, like, look, man, Star Wars has always been kind of dumb. Like in yeah. many ways. Like, uh, I mean, there's a great line of uh um, that's a sort of infamous, but Harrison Ford telling George Lucas, like, you can write this shit, but you can't, well, what is it? Like, you can write this you shit. You can type this shit, but you can't say it yeah, yeah. to George. And, yeah. And so, like, Star Wars is, it's, like, as an abstract, has not really been good. You know, it's a, yeah, it's your I basic, agree. you know, hero's journey. You know, nothing fancy about that. Yeah, you know, I'll never understand why people treat it as like cinema when I'm like, okay, it just can't be space <laughs> movies. Let's chill. I mean, <laughs> Let's it's, have fun. I mean, yeah, it's just it's like it's a better Flash Gordon, you know, and no one's going to like try to convince me that Flash Gordon is you know, cinema, you know, <laughs> like this, this is art. This is a film. Um, <laughs> but and. To the you know, to the point I was trying to make, it's it's people take it very, very seriously. Um, and not in the fun sense where it's like, oh, like I went to a Star Wars convention and met my wife and we had a Star Wars wedding like that takes it very seriously, but in a very adorable way. Yeah. You know, otherwise people take it seriously in a way that, you know, they will. They get really you know, bitter. They get angry. Yeah. I mean, because I, I like I like The Last Jedi because of that, you know, we have someone in my discord that was sending death and R word threats repeatedly. Like, that's how seriously these people Jesus. take it. 
yeah so it's insane yeah. <laughs> people people act like star wars murdered their puppy <laughs> and yeah i was gonna say like uh so this was about maybe like 15 years ago now i was just sort of kind of over this like uh disney r word my childhood or george lucas r word my childhood i was like no one gives a shit that you watched masters of the universe as a kid like <laughs> like no one cares like and that's the thing too is like I was talking to my kid when the Lion King live action remake or live action, quote unquote, you know, whatever yeah. uh, remake came out. And I was like, hey, well, how do you feel about them making a like a live one? And she's like, like, great. And I was like, so you don't think it's, you know, uh, you don't think that it's uh, kind of dumb because they already have the cartoon version. She's like, no, I can just watch both. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. From the mouth of babes. <laughs> <laughs> so wise. Uh, so you know why why do you think well like what's your theory behind this sort of like polarization this sort of divide in fandom like what why why do why do people get so angry and so bitter about something that they're supposed to love and and bring them joy yeah well the people that get angry i don't know how to say this it's a it's a certain type of people um young i've from my experience, and I have a lot of experience with this toxic fandom, they love to make hate videos about me and stuff. It's always young teenage boys that are like really toxic. And like, like sometimes it's older men, but that's the, the vast majority is like younger, young adult men. And like I, 15 I just, to 25. Yeah. And I, I just feel like it's just the only, <laughs> this is my theory. I feel like it's the only way they can like have some sort of outlet or like control for the like some something for their anger that's what it feels like because the way they lash out it's not normal because like I love Star Wars ever since I was a little kid there are things I don't like but you know how much it bothers me zero percent I don't lash out at people because I don't like Star Wars like something Star Wars I just feel like it's just people who are already angry you know what I mean and it's just an outlet for that outlet yeah it's Sean and I. It's, it's a it's a, it's a minority of people. I'm 100 positive. Like it's less than they're just really loud. But yeah, it's a very vocal minority. Yeah. Yeah, Sean and I um had a theory that at that age you kind of it's hard to have a personality, and so <laughs> you sort of make things your personality and like liking things, and so. If someone says like, oh, I don't like that band or I don't like that movie, it, it, you, you treat it as a personal attack because you kind of don't have enough life experience to like tell the difference. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because I remember like as a like, you know, 17 uh, year old punk rock kid, you know, people saying like, oh, I don't like that music just like way too like, like loud and you can't, you know, this, that and the other. And I was like, you just don't get it. You understand. And then because as, as a result, you don't get or understand me. Um, yeah. And so just like transpose that sort of, you know, mentality to like Star Wars or toward anime or, you know, toward whatever, any other sort of fandom. Yeah, that makes total sense. Because that's why like fandom spaces are so popular amongst like teen, like teenagers is because that that is where your personality comes from. So that makes total sense. Uh, Sean, do you have any questions? Well, I kind of wanted to double back to this uh, chicken nugget thing. Uh, (laughs) Well, and sort of, I guess that I'm, this is sort of begging the question or, or leading the witness. Um, but 
you know, uh, just kind of curious about your feelings about Disney Star Wars on the whole in terms of it going from being something that for better or worse was kind of being driven by one person to now it's like belongs to a much bigger corporate entity that you know that even though Lucasfilm is still kind of run by one person Kathleen Kennedy she's answering to people in a way that George Lucas never had to um Mm -hmm. and just sort of your feelings about what that's meant for the franchise has it changed how you feel about it in any way I feel like Star Wars before was like you said it was like kind of very much one source one person very limited but what we saw with Disney is that it expanded not just like more things but like a variety of things because like now we have the High Republic and the High Republic is freaking amazing but it's very like it's targeting a very different demographic than like the sequels or these new shows and there there's just so and like now we get new video games so I feel like overall Disney Star Wars Star Wars has diversified a lot and that is a great thing but um people need to understand that it's okay if you don't like all of it because it is so diverse like there's such a wide array of things that there's no way you're gonna like 100% of it because it's all so like the High Republic is so different than like some of the games they put out like it it's just there's so much more now um and I think that that is a very good thing yeah and you know like Sergio said like I was the one Star Wars fan that I knew growing up in the late 80s and early 90s um I had just missed it and there was a time when I was buying and reading every single Star Wars book as it came out and now it's just there's so much volume that one it's really it would be impossible to keep up with it all uh, at least as an adult with a full-time job and my own uh, (laughs) other interests that aren't Star Wars but um you have other interests that aren't Star Wars? Uh, Philistine. Depends. Yeah, he said in his Marvel t-shirt. You know, if it's owned by Disney. Um, (laughs) Disney shill. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I mean, you know, and but also the the types of books that are being written, like you said, I've I've noticed like, um, you know, I've done some of the audio books. They had the actress who does Padme in the Clone Wars. She did um, a couple of audio books for, I guess, the Queen's Handmaids from um, Naboo. And I definitely was not the target audience for that book, but I could see how a and I, I still enjoyed it. But like I could see how like a younger, you know, like a, a preteen or teenage girl would just love that book in a way that like the star wars books i read as a teenager would not have been directed at that kid yeah um and that that is really cool um i i would agree with that but i do worry about just the for better or worse it it, i i worry and i i've kind of got the same worry about marvel at this point is that there is so much invested in keeping this franchise afloat as a franchise uh and especially after like some pretty strong blowback after stuff like the last jedi that i wonder if we're not sort of settling into something a lot safer um i totally understand what you're saying And, and I say that as somebody very excited to see more voices represented, more, more new, vo- you know, um, traditionally underrepresented groups being pulled in, new formats, new things, um, but also missing a little bit of the narrative daring because for better or worse, The Phantom Menace is a pretty ballsy movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like, 
that is not a safe move in any way, shape or form that movie, um, you know, and uh, well, that was my, one of my complaints about the Mandalorian is that it was so safe. Like I liked it, but it was really safe. And then I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel that too. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping that that's not going to be all we get from now on. I, I'm really hoping that having those extra voices means we'll get to do some more daring stuff down the line, but I, as much as I love The Last Jedi and I love it to death, um, I do wonder if blowback from that kind of hurt the franchise on the whole yeah. because people got so angry about it, like yeah. so very angry. Um, That's why I'm obsessed with Star Wars Visions because I felt like it was finally different. Like I hadn't felt something unique and new since The Last Jedi until Visions. Like that whole time I was like, this is all so safe. And then but Visions was, it's easy to make it not safe because it's like a, not a side project, but it's not like one of their main things. So like they'll go out there on those side things, but like main shows, I definitely feel like are too safe. I haven't actually uh, gotten to the High Republic yet. So it's, it's good though. It's. Mm -hmm. It is spectacular. It is (laughs) my only, literally my only issue with it is that it's only books and stuff and I have ADHD. So I, I, my flavor of it struggles with reading, Um, but it is so worth it. And it is very fun. It is very new, definitely worth getting into. I hope they bring the higher public to like mainstream soon. That would be very, it is very special. Yeah. I was going to say that's a, that's a good point to make is that, you know, when you've got a franchise that's producing so much content, you know, someone, one per, a person shouldn't expect it to all that everything is, uh, should appeal to them or cater yeah. to them, you know, like, um, like a story that resonates. Yeah. It's a post that is meant to resonate to like uh, a young female. Yeah. Should still be available within the franchise. Yeah. Even though as a you know 38 year old man, I can read it like appreciate it for what it is, but it's like, you know, but that's obviously it's not for me. Yeah. And that's why another reason I feel like these people get so angry is because for the first time, not everything is catered to them. And so they take that as a personal attack. <laughs> like you <Yeah>. said, <laughs> if it's this is the first time they're having to deal with the thought of like this isn't for me and they're not used to that. So it's a big deal. <laughs> you know, but well, I mean, yeah, like that's that's always the argument I make when someone, um, like an opponent of representation in media, like says something. I was like, well, anyone who says that it's not an issue has always seen themselves represented in media. Yeah, and you don't so that's what you're missing. Yeah, you know, yeah, and so you know, I think it is important, like Sean was saying, to especially with something as big and as powerful as Star Wars or Marvel. These sort of like institutions that might be too big to fail to go ahead and go out on a limb and and zig when everyone thinks they're gonna zag mm-hmm. like you know uh eternals like sean and i it wasn't our cup of tea i didn't like it i i thought it was um just a little like too jam-packed and a little bland but i appreciated the fact that they were they were swinging that they're at, like you know to me it was a it was a whiff yeah but I appreciated the fact that they were swinging, that they were going for the fences rather than yeah. us getting another, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy volume, you know, which those movies are fun. But there's an obvious formula to Marvel yeah. movies at this point 
that is easy to pick up on. And, you know, yeah. I liked Black Widow because I thought it sort of deviated from that formula. Yeah, that I've never been a big Marvel fan until WandaVision because it was different. It was very yes. different than what they'd done before. I liked Black Widow because it was a little different. I liked Eternals. It had pacing issues, but I liked it overall because it was different. So like while some people like that, that's why diversity in media is like really good because it never appealed to me. Like I watched all Marvel stuff and never liked it until they did something different. And now right. they got me something for me too. So it's like everybody gets something <laughs> yeah and it's like okay like you don't like this marvel movie don't worry there's gonna be another one in like four months you can watch like, <laughs> yeah. four more up like trust year. like there's gonna be plenty <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so like you know watching it's like yeah watching wandavision and and then again like at the end it sort of like fell back into like the big you know climactic battle you know between the the, the hero the, the protagonist and the antagonist and so it kind of like fell back into like what was safe and what was comfortable when it started off so weird and so unique to the point where like my wife who's like she's like yeah i'll watch marvel movies whatever like i'm i'm always down for a good time but she's not like trying to like you know like oh hey babe make sure you do not watch the next episode of hawkeye without me like she's like (laughs) um but wandavision she was uh, she was really enraptured, enraptured by, and I think a lot of it has to do because around the time that WandaVision came out, she lost her father. And so she was dealing with a lot of grief. Yeah. And just to see like Wanda going like through the process of grieving her husband, you know, resonated with my wife in a way that, you know, Hawkeye, what, you know, his sort of like, you know, survivor's guilt. Yeah. Like, like didn't, you know, which, yeah. You know, and not to say that that storyline wasn't, you know, wasn't any better or worse, but, you know, like to your point, there's some, there was something for her finally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of wanted to double back to, um, to the nuggets again. You won't let the nuggets go. (laughs) Well, no, because we we talked about the A tier moments. Right. But I was sort of interested in why, um, why you sort of feel like the rest of it I mean I've got my own feelings and I think I agree with you but I'd be kind of curious to unpack your feelings about the series as a whole to kind of double back to Boba Fett um, and why you feel like those moments don't kind of pull it up or what there's too much of for you or not enough of yeah there's a few things I feel like it had a lot of writing issues um, in but in like consistency for one and to just like following through on plot lines they started like it it just feels kind of meaningless the whole way through I don't know how to perfectly articulate that but there there's so much they could have delved into with Boba Fett as a character and just didn't like they started to and then that was kind of it like there was so much they could have done and it just didn't happen and then for another issue I have is they had this whole show they could have done stuff with Finnick and Finnick was kind of reduced to just like stoic yes stoic badass woman sidekick and like we didn't get to delve any into her and if I just and we could sit here and be like well there wasn't many episodes what I feel like with good writing you can get into those things for two characters and they just did it um so I feel like the writing issues were the biggest to be um but that's just my 
own opinion. No, I, w- I would agree with that. It almost feels like there's trigger um... warning opinions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trigger warning. I, well, I mean, I feel almost like the showrunners are losing confidence in the show halfway through the first season because suddenly, like, we leave the show we've been watching for like two episodes and don't come back to the book of both. Like, it becomes Mandalorian season two and a half for two episodes. And then we end up back at Boba Fett in time for like the big light show. Um, you know, and I enjoyed all of it well enough, but, um, but yeah, by the, you know, it it felt like it was running out of steam by the time the flashbacks circle around to the present. Like they're definitely, I was kind of like, okay, we're, where are we going with this? What's happening? Like what, what, like, you know, I did uh, not care about the conflict in Mosespa at all. <laughs> like yeah, they did yeah. not make me care. <laughs> yeah, I I don't have a problem with the uh, the 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 mod gang. Like I think they look cool, but they also weren't particularly compelling as characters or anything. Um, yeah, that's what sucks. Is like there are like genuine like writing issues and like like with the with that gang that you're talking about. But what do people focus on? the spin the 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 bikes look stupid yeah. like dumb stuff and it's like that does not make or break a show like we can have actual criticisms about the writing but that's not what they do <laughs> yeah when like their their criticisms were like oh they're supposed to be poor and i'm like yeah because people who like like especially young people who don't come from a lot of money they're like they're always responsible within their finances <laughs> right of course yeah yeah <laughs> never seen a, a great paint job in a shitty parking lot or anything <laughs> right <laughs> or amazing rims um no i, I yeah it, honestly i think if they had toned the colors down on those speeder bikes just a little nobody would have complained but the fact that they left them so bright uh is what was and i i feel like people grab onto those details because that's something that they can see and understand but what they're actually reaching for is something that's harder to articulate, like writing issues. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I, I would agree with you on that. And I, I feel bad saying this because I enjoyed most of the, the, the show well enough. Like I. No, it was satisfying. Felt- it was, yeah. you know, it was, you know, but, you know, I, and I'm going to talk about pro wrestling because I try to talk <laughs> about pro wrestling in every episode. <laughs> but you know there there are certain matches that I can show someone who has no interest in pro wrestling whatsoever, and by the end of the match, like they're in it, like mm. the performance, the story that they're telling within the performance has compelled them, has pulled, has drawn them in, pulled them in to where like they're on the edge of their seat, you know, figuratively. Um, like this isn't, you know, and that's what good storytelling can do. That's what good writing can do. That's what uh, good characterization can do. You know, and you know, Book of Boba Fett is like satisfying as it was, you know, it's, you know, it's that, you know, number six at the fast food place that you always get, you know, it's not going to be anything that I show to someone who isn't a Star Wars fan. Is it like, oh, you have to watch this. Oh, you don't get Star Wars. You got, okay, this is what oh, yeah. you, this, <laughs> well, well, you know, hold on to your butts. Here <laughs> right. we go. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good way to, to explain it. And so, um, but yeah, but as, as a Star Wars fan, you know, I can, you know, it was very satisfying. You know, I got things I wanted. I got some things I, I didn't know that I wanted. Uh, and there, and, and, but there still was a lot missing. And to your point about Finnick, like I never really even, uh, like came to that conclusion myself, but as she's, you know, uh, ashamedly underwritten, like she, as a yeah. character, like she's, 
has the potential to be so interesting and all we get is like oh she owes boba a wookie life debt and so like here we go yeah um but you know like what where does she come from like what what are her motivations you know um like why why is it so important to her to like stand by boba's side because he saved her life yeah um, at a certain point i'd be like all right man like i kind of think we're even so i'm gonna deuce out like <laughs> with my robo tummy peace um <laughs> But yeah, so like, and I feel like that, that, that was a, that was a definite miss on their part. Yeah. Miss potential. And to your, to your other point, talking about how like episode two was some of the best Star Wars you ever saw, like that's, I, and looking back at the, on the series, like that's when it, for me too, like it got like, okay, this is getting weird and different and we never got back to that. Yep. It was like, for me, it was such a climax. And then the rest was like, <laughs> I loved that episode. I mean, it. yes, it's sad when, you know, the Tuscans are massacred and he comes back and finds, you know, the the burned encampment and, and the dead bodies. You know, we feel for Boba Fett, you know, he's lost his, his you know, um, found family. Uh, you know, we cheer when uh, Grogu and mandalorian reunite uh you know we get all like the good like you know fan servicey stuff that makes us feel great um but it never like i said it never got weird and good and not to say that it has to be weird it never got different yeah you know it started to get a little different and then it kind of kind of veered back onto it started like driving off onto the uh onto the embankment <laughs> and yeah. i'm like oh man let's see what happens here and then it like kind of like oh course corrected yeah it's it's very John Favreau. <laughs> it's very Dave Filoni, <laughs> which is not bad, but it's like, okay, I've seen this, <laughs> you <yeah>. know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I feel like Dave Filoni does a better George Lucas than John Favreau in general, but I would agree yeah, with you. For um, sure. But also the Clone Wars, he was collaborating with Lucas, I think. So like that, yeah. I think that helps. And without that... Uh, to go back to like visuals, it's, I think for a lot of people, what Star Wars is, is what it looks like. And so Disney isn't changing up the look of Star Wars so that when they do, that's when people are losing their shit, right? Yeah. Um, even though they're still adhering to the basic, um, I would say, aesthetic of the, the world as it was established and, you know, paying tribute to the creator of that world, um, just be i don't know it, that that seems to anytime they rock the boat people get upset and angry and it's it's yeah. like they they want a pacifier they don't actually want a story i don't know yeah like the the visually it was very robert rodriguez you know like you could tell his episodes and it was fun and and i i enjoyed it like the like the spy kids vacation of star wars i loved it but that was one of the number one issues people had, like you said, because it's just like a, it was very much a visual change that they didn't like. And like for me, that doesn't make or break a show, but it's easy to hate on. Yeah. I kind of want to ask how you feel about deep fake Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> I was personally blown away. Like I know there's a little bit of like a lifelessness to it. But the fact that technology has gotten to that point where I, I recently rewatched the, Mandal the Mandalorian because I was watching it with my dad 
and we just finished season two and even between season two finale and this show is like insane how much it's improved it is insane so it it was a little lifeless but i feel like if they improve like that again it'll be unreal like it'll be in i really enjoyed it but uh it's if they were to have luke in a show more than just like bits i don't know if that would totally work because i like that lifelessness you know it's kind of there but um for for bits and pieces of a story i think it's amazing oh yeah i was gonna ask like how how would you feel if you know about a about like a luke skywalker series but yeah i think that you know the the less is more in this case and you definitely don't want to uh, stretch the technology beyond its limits to the yeah. point where it's you know not palatable. Um, but we got Kenobi coming up in May, and very excited about that. Very excited, uh, mostly because Deborah Chow is helming. She's directing yes the entire series. I'm so excited for that. And so I'm going to. I'm very interested to see. Like you said, like, you know, there, there are obvious, um, like, you know, visual differences between the directors in, in both series. You can kind of tell like, oh, this is definitely a Robert Rodriguez episode or this is a Filoni episode. And so it's going to be very cool to see, you know, one director's vision throughout an entire series. The writer, though, um, like Joby Harold, hasn't written anything uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous note. about that. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm a I'm kind of nervous about that, but again, you know, like um, you know, George Lucas, uh, you know, has proved that you, you know, can have subpar dialogue as long as the direction and sort of visuals make up for it. You can kind of like skirt that and and performances. Yeah. Well, and I think too the thing about Star Wars when it works at least the original star wars is that like even if the dialogue is creaky or the character work is creaky like it still functions very well it's kind of like a james cameron right like even though i don't like avatar very much i have to admit like that movie just works at a fundamental story level and i think that's part of why it was so successful and james cameron understands story and lucas at his best did as well um and I think that's, you know, part when, of what makes them. When you say Luke is at his best, you mean Howard the Duck, right? Yes. Yes. 100%. <laughs> Howard the Duck, uh, Radio Land Murders, um, Attack of the Clones, for sure. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, well, okay. So I know earlier we said Star Wars isn't cinema, but I might make the case that the original one kind of is. Not any of the rest of it. The rest of it is glorious product. Um <laughs> at best but the original one in terms of how it's shot how it's edited everything like i think that's part of what made it so surprising when it came out is yeah it's a better flash gordon but it's like flash gordon engine in like a souped up new car essentially (laughs) um and i think that we we've been numb to that over the years because so it it changed so much of pop culture but like lucas as pure filmmaker at his best was really something. And, um, you know, it's, it's a shame that he sort of got cornered by his greatest success too. Cause I wonder what he might've gone on to do instead. Um, 
anyway, we kind of got a, 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 a field of what were we talking about? I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, I think that's, you know, I, I talked about how like Star Wars is, you know, shouldn't be considered cinema, but I mean, you bring up a valid point. I mean, you have the John Williams score, which is like, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, next generation getting Patrick Stewart. You know, it's yeah. like there's like, you know, what was a like campy, like sci-fi romp TV show, you know, has this like very established, very um, like, uh, like actor with like this great like gravitas, right? Like in, like they sort of like, you know, definitely overreached what is like what they're known for. And so right. you get this like, oh, you have it's a space opera, you know, with laser swords and the bad guy's dressed in all black and he's got a cape. <laughs> and then you've got this John Williams score, like, this is the most epic. If you were just to listen to the score, you would think like this is the most epic movie of all fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And then yeah. yeah, and then you've got the just the nuts and bolts behind it. I mean, it was cutting edge in a way that, you know, like like literally like people are like I don't know that we'll ever get to that level. I think maybe Jurassic Park might have been the last time, but like people had never seen anything like it. Maybe the Matrix. Uh, yeah, like the Matrix. Yeah, well, I guess we, we talked like that was like our Star Wars, as close as we could get to, to Star Wars. But now like we see special effects and it's, you know, I mean, we've we've seen presumably like as good as they can get, right? I mean, things look real in movies. They can we, make a fake Luke. They can make- And it's almost <laughs> convincing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they it's can awesome. make, you know, we got a giant green guy who uh, runs around with, uh chris evans and they look completely real standing next to each other <laughs> yeah and, and so so yeah so i i i um i'll i'll backtrack on my statement because i'm a flip-flopper and i just <laughs> i don't want any good <laughs> you you take new perspectives and you you know learn you new your opinion yeah and so uh and i don't want people to dislike me so yes uh, star <laughs> wars a new hope is cinema um, but yeah, so, uh, Sean, is there anything you wanted to ask before we wrap up? I think we already covered every one of the questions that I had. Um, but this has been so much fun. This thank has been for, a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank like, you uh, for coming. Like, I mean, we ostensibly asked to talk about the book of Boba Fett and instead we've talked about, we've talked about book of Boba Fett for sure, but we've also talked about like toxic fandom and you know what it means to like have uh like different ideas and perspectives and especially in in big media franchises uh that's kind of the conversations that we like to have on the show yeah sort it's of, nice uh, to have thoughtful conversations about that stuff because that's how things get better no yeah and that that's sort of like why sean and i decided to to start this podcast and and make it what it is is because like yeah like like yeah like i love all this like dumb stuff and let's like not i mean I, I just said star wars with cinema but i mean when you boil it down to it like it's all just dumb stuff it's all dumb movies and dumb tv shows and multiple and, things can be true at the same time exactly <laughs> exactly but these these things are important to us and we love them and but we like to talk to them in a way where it's just where it's you know it's deeper than a, like a just superficial understanding of them and which yeah. is exactly why we asked you to be on um if you would you tell tell the people how they can find you on the interwebs you can find me pretty much everywhere as shalo underscore ren mostly tiktok and twitch and twitter if you want to see me be chaotic yeah the it, it's almost it's fun because you sort of 
like you get other you get yeah you do definitely chaotic's the good word on twitter <laughs> it's a hellscape there so I might as well join in the- you say you, you sort of lean into that yeah for sure <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the TikTok I highly recommend, um, that the Twitch has also been a blast. You recently returned to Twitch and that's been awesome. Uh, you were, um, there was one stream where you were, uh, like you're doing something with Pokemon. You're trying to discuss like, what were like the, the most chaotic Pokemon or something? Were you talking about the one where it's like fan made gender? Yes, differences? that's what it was. Yeah, there are people who make fan versions of the different Pokemon. Like they'll make like different, like this female Pokemon will look different than this male Pokemon. And they're so cursed and bad. Yeah, like <laughs> you'll see like a Pikachu with like this, like this, like dump truck butt and like like cleavage. <laughs> at, and like, what is happening? It's got like- a pink flower in its ear. And it's like, yeah, because that's what mice do in nature. <laughs> that's that's what they do that's how you tell that's how you tell yeah so that's the kind of like that's the kind of stuff that you uh that you get on the twitch um and you're streaming on saturday evenings yep saturdays evenings oh yeah thank you again so much for joining us uh we are huge fans and um if you are if you were to check out the content that shayla is creating uh you will be too i guarantee it that is a fandom university guarantee wow that's a big deal i feel honored and it's like that is a big deal i only say that on a few things i've only said that maybe twice whoa yeah yeah, yeah I think oh yeah we were time. we were guests on a podcast and i was like if you if you're not entertained by uh by this episode like we will send you a uh, self ad- send us a self-addressed stamped envelope <laughs> And we will write a letter of apology as to why you didn't enjoy a, a very um, passive aggressive letter of apology. <laughs> like, oh, we're so sorry you didn't enjoy this free entertainment. <laughs> Perfect. But uh, yeah, so thank you again so much for uh, joining us. Thank you for having me. I had fun. Well, that about wraps it up for us here at Phantom University and the book of Boba Fett or the Boba Fett arc as a whole. Um, again, you know, nothing. You know, if you like Star Wars, you'll like the Book of Boba Fett. If you don't like Star Wars, the Book of Boba Fett isn't going to change your mind. Um, so overall, like I give it sort of like a thumbs and a thumbs slightly up. Yeah, I'd give it like a like a B, like a B minus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, join us in a couple of weeks. Uh, this is something that I'm surprised it took this long to to manifest. But uh, a few months ago a comic book debuted called Batman 89 and that comic book what that comic book is is acts as a direct sequel to Tim Burton's Batman Returns it's written by the screenwriter of Batman and Batman Returns and it it continues that sort of universe so you know as opposed to uh, you know, Batman Forever being, you know, with Val Kilmer and Jim Carrey and all that, you know, it, it continues like the, the narrative of, you know, what happens at the end of Batman Returns. So it's sort of like you're, you're, you're Batman three of that universe. And like I said, I'm surprised it took this long to do that because uh, of those four movies, of those original four Batman movies, the first two are widely considered the best. And yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a pretty steep drop 
in in reviews with the third and then with the fourth. And so, uh, yeah, so we're going to spend a few episodes talking about those two movies, that comic book series, and that's going to lead us right into the brand new Batman, the Batman, a three hour, a serious three hour Batman movie. Uh, I have some feelings on that. I have some feelings on all that on superhero movies as a whole. Uh, and, uh, and I have some wild opinions on, on Tim Burton's Batman. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna mix it up. We're definitely gonna mix it up. So join us next week. We're gonna be talking about Batman and Batman Returns. Uh, we can't, can't wait to see you there. Uh, follow us on Twitter, fandom, you podcast. You can also email us fandom, you podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at S E R G one O T X. Sean is at Sean Hamill. That's like Sean of the dead, Sean and Mark Hamill, Hamill. Uh, he claims that they like, they are like, they're like, this, there's like there's some blood there for sure um you know but i just think that's uh the star wars fanboy and i'm wanting to say he's related to luke skywalker yeah yeah that's all it is that's all it is i knew it why don't you be honest with me keep it 100 with me and keep it 100 with our listeners i mean i feel like you didn't have to put my dirty underwear on display but yeah that's here we, that's good that's well that's he also he said this at like 15 years old so i don't know if he still believes it as a 20 yeah, as a 24 <laughs> years later <laughs> but he probably does i hope I, I mean it would be cool if you were related to mark hamill but it also doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things uh, yeah, it's, i mean it's yeah your life isn't any better or worse as a result right it's not like i could write to him and like suddenly be part of his family it's like, like hey, hey like what's up man like oh shit i never realized you were out there well come on over right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't I I don't think those dreams are coming true anytime soon. Well, until then, until those dreams do come true. My name is Sergio. Mine is Sean Hamill. <laughs> Be kind to yourself and to others. It's a me, Boba Fett. It's a me, Robert Fettuccini. That's pretty good.